Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. No, that wasn't as smooth. The take before was smoother, but we'll still use it in the episode. People are going to be like, what am I listening to now? This is Grant's second attempt at that intro because the other one just kind of complete, it kind of fumbled his way through the complete. But don't worry, we're here to do a podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Grant, year interview for our businesses. Let's do this. Amen. And uh, make sure you're on the newsletter. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. And put in the, your details. Because I want to know the details. Wait, the disclaimer. We better run the disclaimer. Oh, that thing. All right, go. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing. And I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. <laughs> All right, Grant, I actually had a lot of fun making the year in review episode with you on investing. I, as I did the prep for that one, really unpacked and thought about my year. And I'll tell you right now, I'm even going to make some changes to my planning uh, for next year based on that episode. So maybe it was part therapy, maybe <laughs> just spending the time in thought. Maybe was it the same thing? on the couch. Maybe I should be a psychologist. I'm just putting it out there. I'm pretty good at absorbing this thing. <laughs> I do wonder if we are just doing this whole podcast as our own therapy, but it turns out just broadcasting it to everyone on the internet, much more fun. But anyway, let's I'm bring this gonna, one on track because consistency is the aim I'm, of the game. I'm taking it off track because when you said that this morning, I was genu- genuinely thinking because I'm like, this is so good. Like I'm reviewing things and I'm planning things out. In my mind, no word of a lie, I'm like, maybe we should do these quarterly to help us with our quarterly planning. <laughs> Because I'm like, this is the greatest forced accountability ever. <laughs> She's like, yep, we'll just go and record some stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll put it to the listeners. If you would like to hear us do our quarterly planning on this show, which we do anyway, I must admit, this is something we do in the background. Um, if you would like to hear how we're approaching our quarterly plans and what we're putting in them, reach out either via the email or the Facebook group and let us know if that is something you would like us to break down the process, what we're actually putting in. Um, and maybe a bit of a review on how the last quarter went. Could be pretty cool. Interesting, because it might actually be the uh, trigger point for everyone to go and do their quarterly reviews to each other. Because sometimes it's hard when people just don't think about it. It's like, oh, my gosh, quarterly review. I'm actually for that. I'm going to be one of the people emailing you. Well, I'm just looking at this and go, we're almost five minutes into this episode and we haven't spoken about the thing. So we better get into it, Grant. So year in review, we're doing business this time. Last time we did investing. This time we're doing business. I'm going to kick this one off. It's the same set of questions. So for anyone who wants to check out the previous episode we did on the investing side of things, you can. This one will be a business focus, very much business focused. So question number one, out of 10, and you can't use a seven or a decimal point, how would you give your year as a score? It was actually funny when we asked someone this question, they gave like a 7.5. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Like, no, wait. <laughs> Two rules broken. Uh, so for me, overall, unlike the previous episode that we did, did I give myself a 9 out of 10? Straight up, 9 out of 10. Wow, so stronger year in business than in Very strong year. Very strong year. 
how did you come to attribute a nine? Is this a, again, financial result you're happy with? Is this your personal performance? Is it the business in general environment? Lay it down. Three, profits, <coughs> skills slash me personally, risk mitigation. Those were the three. And, and considering the environment, I'm like, hey, like I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed with me, myself, the team, and everyone around me in the businesses. Nine out of ten. What about you? Where'd you go? Nine. Way. I, I should have pushed a button. Hey. I was going to say, twinning. <laughs> twinning. <laughs> it's like you're constant though. It's like a nine out of ten. All right. What about you? How do you equate yours? Well, oddly enough, uh, opposite to what I did with investing. So investing, we had a um, not as strong a financial result, where in business we had a really strong financial result this year. So I was thrilled to see that. So it's funny that I, I seem to be waiting my answers to whatever did well. So if I did, did the same waiting across investing and business, probably would have had to um, reduce this one because I would acknowledge this year I did not grow as much as a business owner as I would have liked. But because of the skills I had acquired on the previous, let's say, 10 years, is like I was able to really put those skills to work. This was very much a year of doing for me. Um, and then growth came in other areas like the investing side of things or personally. So financially, really strong result. And that is weighted my answer heavily here. And particularly, I would say that it was the efforts made towards pivoting in an unusual year that were a highlight as well. It's interesting that you say that. I think it's so funny. I would so be swayed by the year. Like if one year I had learned a lot and it applied what I had learned, it would be like a really high score. But then another year of just me only implementing what I've learned over the last 10 years and not learning anything new, it would be a high score. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the only way that you don't win on that is if you don't do the thing and you don't learn anything and you're like, oh, well, that's a bad score. So I, well, I would have to I think make the case, and I will make the case, in fact, that the things I learned in investing in this last year, I put a lot into my finance and investing and we'll call it wealth education. I'm finding are translating into business. Like there is some sort of crossover between those skills. Well, no surprise because we're running a real estate business here. So it is just totally. like universally crossed over. So I feel like I've learned a different business. And then on the personal development front, the stronger I develop um, my own psychology and my mindset and things like that, which I have actively been working on, I'm noting that it brings like a higher level of resilience or not getting upset by things is probably the other one I would put into there. Love it. All right, I'm going to twist. I'm going to turn this one around because I'm going to ask you the second Let's question because I've just kept going first on all of the previous ones. So, Charlie, 2022, what were your goals and what were you hoping to achieve out of business? I had three goals for the year. So goal number one was to fund enough cash flow from my business to fund my property addiction. And I literally wrote that. <laughs> so the goal of the business, I had a look in the notes and I was like, goal of business, produce enough cash flow to fund property addiction. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is pretty. All right, second one. This is an unusual one for me. Um, to only work with people I want to work with and on projects I want to work on. So this year was a very much intentional set not to take on those things I don't want to do for money or not to work with people that I just don't like. I've done it too many I, times. It, it's interesting. Now I understand why you dropped one point off because I'm still here, Charlie. 
I feel like this is some sort of sick and twisted relationship. Like I feel like this is I, I enjoy torturing you across the year. That's that's what I get out of this. This is the pay. Did it if I got paid for the amount of time I thought about how I can screw your day up, like I'd be a I'd be a millionaire by now. I've actively go out into the world and I'm like, I am gonna find the most fucked up project and sell it just so Grant has to uh, work on it and he's gonna he's gonna be like eating glass. No, 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 no. But that was number two. But uh, I think one of the things that is often overlooked, and we've discussed this in other episodes, but it's like who you work with, and that could be clients, it could be suppliers, it could be team, I think weights so much more of the enjoyment of what you get out of business. And it's like working with good people, even for a lesser financial result, um, is a good move in my mind because it's more sustainable. You won't get burnt out or hate your life. But the opposite I'm finding is that when you work with good people and do projects you want to do, turns out you make more money as well because you're actually enjoying it. So huge insight on that one. And then the third one um, was to make sure I actively inject more fun into my life. Um, I don't want to say I'm making up for lost time, but it's like after the years of like grinding in business to achieve a financial result, I'm sitting there and going, well, I did that. I went hard for all those years so I could have different opportunities at this point in my life and I think it would be a real shame not to take advantage of that. So be like a farmer, working hard on the land and then you never enjoy the fruits of your labour. I'm like, how ridiculous. So um, and tick that one as well. Of people deal with. Yeah, 99% of people deal with that, Charlie. They get to 100 and they're like, damn, what have I done? You meet the people that never get out of it. Their life is an internal yeah. sacrifice as well. Um, which is uh, unfortunately very sad and I hope they're happy, although some people are happy suffering, right? They feel very um, – I've met people where it's like they're happy suffering because that suffering brings others joy. Like the dad who totally. works his face off so his family can be okay. Like he's actually happy. He just hates what he's doing. Um, so not to go too deep into personal development on this one. I've been not, I feel like I've been reading too many books this week, Grant. But anyway, no, tell me your goals. That. Did you set goals? What were they? I did. Did we hit them? I did, uh, and we, we hit most of them. So first one relates back to our previous episode where we were talking about investing. And so this one is like obviously the profit generation out of the businesses to go and support what Hazel and I thought were going to be four property purchases. Uh, interestingly enough, we actually achieved it, although we did not buy four properties. It was just that we sat on cash. So the outcome was exactly what we were going for, albeit I would actually argue it's probably a little bit better than we anticipated, which is awesome. So go over number one. Uh, the second one is I sit on two boards of two tech startups um, and my entire objective was uh, how do I make them profitable and so they've got a good run and then throughout the year, which we'll get into in the second round, changes, things changed and they actually are in a fantastic financial spot with good cash in the bank, like we're talking years of run. So tick that one off and thought that was Awesome. I have, I have to jump in. It just suits you so much. I have to say, you. Are, I feel like you are, knowing you as well as I do, I just feel like you're such a strong board member. I just really feel like I can see you now. I have this like image of my head. There's Grant Rocks Up, won't wear a suit, number one, right? So he's, there's his table and everyone else is in suits and Grant's in what I'll call sport casual, like what you wear now. Um, we get into the table, puts his laptop down and there's a consensus formed. Right, so there's all these people agreeing to an idea and you'll just be like, no. Just this complete <laughs> contrarian logical thinker. It's funny yeah, you no. say that. The, the last one that we had face-to-face, 
I was li- everyone was around a table. I was literally, you know, in school when you lean back on your chair and lean up against the wall. So your chair's on two legs and you're up against the wall. Absolutely. I had that with the iPad on my lap and I was just like disengaged from the conversation. And then like everyone was talking and then I'm like, all right, chair forward, <laughs> iPad on the table. This is what I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Everyone like, needs a no man in their life, right? And one of the things that, and I mean that in the most positive way, because as you go further in business, the thing that I have noticed more and more is the more successful you are, the less qualified people feel to give you advice and they disagree with you. Like totally. I could go out there now and I'm not trying to say that I've achieved something massive but or anything like that, but in many business communities I go, oh, cool, like I, I'm going to uh, start an SEO company. And that was like not along and say yes. Yeah, great idea. Where it's awesome. like to have someone that will just go, that's a shitty idea and this is why. I think they're the special people you got to hunt for in life, and you've definitely been that for me. That, that guy, the guy that everyone loves to hate. It's good. So <laughs> it's me in board positions. Um, so I'm super ecstatic, um, and we'll get into sort of the, some of the challenges. And then I, don't know, I had these softer ones, and so the one that I'm going to mention here was I articulated this as always being challenged in business, which is my interpretation of enjoyment. Right, so I always enjoy. You absolutely achieved that one. Absolutely, <laughs> um, have you been challenged? <laughs> totally, dude, mentally challenged twenty four seven. The yeah, so for me, this thing that I enjoy is like everything always just being just out of reach. Like, how do I do something so it's not just so it never becomes steady state? How do I always improve something? How do I, is there always something I'm reaching for? And this year, <laughs> it's been like an eleven out of ten on how we're going to push, how we're going to push, how we're going to get there. And so like that was one of the biggest things, but then mixing it with one of my other goals, which was actually starting to like really focus on the bigger picture of what Grand Charlie is, like what we do. And like, I think we hit that. We've started to refine it towards the end of the year, which for everyone listening is going to come out. Um, ooh, but yeah, exciting. Ooh, Easter eggs, Easter eggs, Charlie. Uh, yeah. So that, was, <laughs> so that was one of the big things for me. It was like always being challenged because that's the thing that I enjoy. Um, and I think that teams working really well together, um, we're focusing on the bigger picture. Like that was, that was a big one for me. All right. Well, I'm going to jump into the next question then. What were your three biggest wins? <sighs> All right. First one, business models. I think I, you and I I'll pay that. crushed business models this year. Uh, so it, one of the, I was thinking back on this and I was going, well, okay, what were some of the biggest wins through it? The conversations that you and I had about uh, different business models, different leverage, different compound branding growth, uh, the best utilization of our time versus the return that it generates, and our ability to iterate and implement and validate or invalidate a lot of times and then continue going again. Like to me, that was some of the biggest wins, even though a lot of them weren't like, hey, this is the thing. I think it refined for where we're getting to and where we are now. That is a great answer. I almost want to go back and change my answer. I like it so much. <laughs> and it's very reflective of the year. And I would even say hugely impacted by the wealth stuff we do, seeing Completely. different business models and different exposures to things and how people are making money has very much changed my views because we've been very much in online. So seeing all these different things has exposed us to a lot. And I think that's a great win. I'm going to kind of steal that one a little bit. You can go. Number two. Um, Second one was uh, the right people and the strength that they have 
uh, I would argue our team uh, like is just one unit operating in unison going towards one direction. I think the way that they have improved together, the way that they have refined our systems and processes without you and I, Charlie, sort of pushing them to go and do things, uh, the new people that we've brought on, uh, which we'll get to in, in a future episode, that is now refining like the version two and version three of what we are and where we're going to. Like I'm just like, dude, the synergy here is ridiculous. Like even Hazel, for example, on the brand, like and the team that works with her, I'm just like, it's like right people, right seats, right bus. Like and so for me, that was a massive win because it was these people are doing things that we're going to be doing for the next five, ten, twenty years, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is. This is an unlocker. So that was like a second massive win, which also then it makes me enjoy more of what we do, helps validate business models and does all those kind of things. Um, but then the third thing was I actually felt like this was a year that progressed us towards our dream operation, which was a big win for me. Like I start, I think that we have redefined our North Star so many different times. I actually feel like we've kind of hit our North Star and where we're going to run towards. And so for me, that was a massive win. I'm just like, this is... This is good. I, I, I can see us building towards the thing that we're going to work towards. So it was a compliment how, to you. And how great. Sorry. We will reveal more on that at a future point for uh, many people. Yeah, I hate being ambiguous, but it's like, but those were the three of the biggest wins. Like when I reflected back, those were the things that I'm like, geez, they, they, they hit the soul. Like they were like a, not just a money-related thing. They were like a, damn, like I'm impressed. What about you? Awesome wins, by the way. I really like it. And they were different to mine, although, I mean, obviously we're a part of many of these same things, so I think they're very well placed. All right, number one, the podcast. We started this Will. podcast this year. I always and, forget um, this thing's a business. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I always oh, yeah. used to think that, um, you know, they say if you find something you truly love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. And my response yep. to that is go, assholes, doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then we made this podcast and I'm like, ah, it can be done. Like That's legitimately look forward and have fun creating this podcast. And um, it has been such a great experience. And I'm going to talk about it not only from you and I having fun, but the amount of conversations it started with people and even within Huge. my network now has just been so enjoyable. Like how many people come and speak to me, and I suspect you as well, about totally. money and wealth building and some of these uh, things that, well, you and I have been, I feel like, talking about in secret for years. Yep. Like we went to the uh, cafe yesterday with, um, shout out to Maddie, great uh, time. Maddie. But we went to that uh, cafe, which is like years ago, we went there and we're talking about this stuff. And it yep. was all just a uh, pipe dream of like, oh, we could build wealth like this and have we considered that? And I look at what we've created since then and I'm going, like, amazing. So for the fans and people that are getting on board, it's been the, the biggest winner by year, absolutely. And and one of the things that I even appreciate is like have you, you would have received messages as well of people who have had the epiphany of I'm not comfortable with where I'm at and you have helped me identify that. And I'm just like, even that's like so amazing to me because I'm like, that's just a win. People being able to recognize, oh, wait, there's something better and I can move towards something better. There's something greater that I can achieve outside of people going, now I'm investing or now I'm doing something. I'm like, yes, <laughs> this is fantastic. It's exactly what, what we're trying to do. Almost every day I get a message from someone now, which is just yeah. sensational. And I appreciate that hugely. It's nice to know that we're having an impact in that way. Agreed. All right, number two. Profits. 
this mm. was a great year for making money. I think that I'm, what I'm going to call the post-pandemic, there goes our YouTube rankings. Um, our, <laughs> be careful what you say these days. But our, like this post-pandemic environment has actually been a huge tailwind for what we do. So like the media side of things and also the other business activities, we just were lucky to be around. I'm going to say I know many businesses were challenged. We definitely scored a bit of luck here. We capitalised on that though. So mm-hmm. lack of opportunity meets two guys that were ready to get after it. We had a great year on that front and profits showed for it. So big insight I'd really uh, drive from that is just that there's always opportunity around. It's really been an, an interesting insight. Agreed. All right. And then number Definitely. three, which I, I should have wore the hat, TikTok ads. <laughs> I love how that's like one of your biggest wins. He's <laughs> like, it's like it's awesome. I will put it like this. I want you to imagine you're really into uh, you, your whole life you've been developing a skill and then a new platform comes out and then you get a great result there. You put it as a win. So maybe you're a golfer and you go to a course you've never done before. And you go there and you just you have the best day, right? You nail it. Like you call it a win. So so for me, like I've been doing ads a long time and not to say that the other platforms have gotten a bit boring, but they, there was uh, no like edge to them or something new. Like really Facebook ads and Google ads haven't changed a lot in the last few years. Like overall, where TikTok was this whole new thing to crack and this whole new um, like challenge for myself and Going into that rabbit hole, the skepticism I had, the working through the challenges and then like actually creating some really awesome things there. It's like I'm putting that as a win, an absolute win and one of the tailwinds we've been able to take advantage of. I I like that. I like that that's a win because I I know that you you enjoy eating glass just as much as I enjoy eating glass. You just choose any different avenues. I suspect the joy I get out of cracking an ads account on TikTok ads would be similar to you like solving a problem in a boardroom or totally. fixing some complicated uh, tech uh, situation. Literally. Like I sit there and then I'm, like if I solve it, Hazel knows she's going to hear about it for the next hour and she's like, I don't want to hear it. As I don't want to hear it. I'm like, As I'm like you, will, you need to hear this thing. <laughs> she's like, shut up. <laughs> uh, we're going to jump to the next one on the list here. What were your two biggest challenges of the year? See, I actually had quite a few. So I'm going to speed round this one. I'm going to give you more than two, Charlie. Well, guess what? It's our podcast. What are you going to do? Stop Don't it. Get, what are you Go do? for it. Let's do you it. Cut off my mic. This is why we do it virtually, so you can't cut Actually, it I think I can. No way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First one. So one of the challenges uh, that I knew stepping into this calendar year, Charlie, was team. We had challenges during uh, the big C to not get a small band. Some um, people call me the big big C to see, you know. Big, anyway. Well, we've had we had challenges with the two big Cs. And so what what when I say challenges, it was labor market wasn't just as strong. So when we would put out a job posting and when we go headhunting or bringing people in, like I love how you downplay that. We used to like put this? jobs up and get a hundred candidates within a couple of days. And that is like we might get two candidates in a week. Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. It was horrific. Um, and so that was like massive challenge because then that sort of forced us to say, well, what can we do with the existing team? How can we sort of adapt the business model to it? Uh, it was really interesting that it's just a, a sort of a view of the environment and the times have changed, right? Like we've just put up a couple of pre- job posts over the last couple of weeks 
And we had like 60 applicants within 10 hours to one of them. We had 50 applicants to another in 24 hours without us doing any outreach. Like it was insane. And it was just like, now this time's a change. So that was one of the biggest challenges that I had coming into the year knowing I needed to solve. We should say hot tip. I've, like, we've significantly noticed the online uh, job market, particularly hiring in the Philippines, has shifted. The applicant and the volume mm-hmm. of applicants has gone up again. So if you're someone that hasn't done that in a while, potentially a hot tip might be time to start recruiting again. All right, but totally. lay it down. This is meant to be a speed round and you're moving like a turtle. <laughs> second, second one. So the interesting thing being on boards of tech organizations is usually when you start up a software company, uh, in the first couple of years you go and do like a bit of raising of funds until you can go and build your uh, minimum viable product or MVP. And then you go and operate and start producing profits. And then you either grow organically or you put a whole heap of cash and sort of grow exponentially. One of the challenges when the market shifted throughout the year was that software valuations were like dropping. So you used to get like a 10x multiple and now you're getting like a 6x multiple maybe. And so when you raise money, to go and get funds to grow these businesses, the valuations change fundamentally, which means the amount of money that you can bring in are different. And so when the market changed and I knew that these organizations needed some growth funding, I'm like, how are we going to play this? And so that was one of the big challenges for me because I'm like, well, the ability to get funding just is different now. And so instead of selling equity because the valuations have dropped, you would just go and get some debt or a convertible note or something like that. Um, and so that was a big challenge for me going, how are we going to play this? Like everyone's just got all this cash and they're just not spending it. They're not investing it. Um, and then fortunately enough, it was something that we got through. But I was actually a little bit stressed from a board level going, are people going to sort of part with their money in this current environment? And fortunate enough with these two businesses, see like they are good investments for people. And so people were still willing to invest. It just took longer than we anticipated. But that was a massive challenge of, who were the right people because we just got doors shut from different avenues that were previously open. And so that was a big challenge where it was just a market shift. Do you not feel better for that one though? This is like one of those ones I look at and like in the environment itself, the uncertainty if people will part with their money or not, having not dealt with it, like it can get to you. Like we dealt with the same thing with kind of like rising interest rates at this level. I'm like interest rates have never gone up this fast. What if it all breaks? But – after being through it, do you now go, while it was challenging, I feel like I've acquired like whether it's the mental skills or even skills themselves to deal with these types of things or be prepared for them in future where it's like that one particularly I think is not necessarily like I know it's a challenge but I almost feel like it comes out as a win for you because you're stronger here now. And Exactly. It was at the time it's like, you know, when you get hit in the face and you're like <laughs> for all those times where we get hit in the face. <laughs> um and he's like, whoa, how am I going to react to this? That was Well, my head looks this way for a reason, right? It's, it's very chiseled <laughs> That's what we do. by That's intent. What we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Well, faces for podcasting. Uh, and then I'll, I'll merge the final ones, uh, which they're kind of connected, which is uh, one of the challenges I had, and you might relate to this, was the unsustainable speed at, at which we were delivering. Like we were going hard at a lot of things and it merges into the second one, which is we were chasing a lot of opportunities at one time because there's great opportunities, there's great abilities to make money, um, but the speed at which we were attacking them and the amount of opportunities that we were attacking was just a massive challenge for me because I'm one of these people who thrive on the ability to never be the bottleneck 
and I will forever in the rest of my life never be a bottleneck. And so I'm like, let's go and do this and I'll find a way to make sure that we can plow forwards through it. And it was just a challenge for me to say no to some opportunities and to even try and slow down. Then I'm just like, it's just like in this, as part of something that I know I need to be better at, but it's also part of me where I know I love the challenge of speed and multiple challenges at once. Um, so hence why it was a challenge for me because I'm like, I love this, but I know it's not going to be sustainable and I need to slow it down so we can do better quality long-term plays. I love that one so much. I think that's a so that very was, um, insightful perspective on the year, definitely. <laughs> that was, yeah, the summary of the challenge of the year. Uh, what about you? Well, I actually stuck to the rules and just did two. <laughs> just get to say it. <laughs> Well, so, when people go, this went on for five minutes too long, oh, they can blame me. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So number one, challenge of the year, inflation. I'm going to say that I had not dealt with inflation. I don't think anyone of our age uh, had either. And the interesting byproducts of that were uh, noticeable for me. So it's not uh, particularly – I'm not going to talk about this on a personal life front because I, I don't think that's uh, the area that's appropriate for what we're reviewing here – but dealing with inflation when costs are going up in a business and dealing with margin compression. So I noticed this year particularly is that the challenges I faced when dealing with financials, an area I'd never been focused on before, was going, right hey, point. look, this cost is going up. It's going to impact our margin here. Hey, this is uh, going up as well. We're going to have to deal with that. And it seemed like little insignificant things in the beginning. But when you compound that, across an organization of our size, I was like, we really stand to be much less profitable across the year. Like it was, totally. uh, yeah, I'll even say a little bit nerve wracking. So to your point is like, your, it was in your wins about business model, was like the solution to dealing with inflation was reshaping the business model. So it was actually changing what we offer and how we do it to be more profitable. Now, I, I did a little bit of prep on this. If we didn't change that, our whole year did not go well. We would not have given this year nines. So I look at that and go, that was one of the big challenges. And the uncertainty of like, well, how much is a mortgage is it going to go up? Yeah, like how much more are we going to have to deal with? So huge challenge. Because I, I like that fact because when people think about inflation, they just think about their personal expenditure usually, or at least I do and I'm fine with falling on that sword. But when you start looking at the second, third order consequences, it's like, okay, well, if my expenses are going to go up, whether it's rent, food, or otherwise, uh, well, my employees are going to do it the same. Well, hang on. What about the money that's coming in from all of my other customers? Well, what about everything else that I'm buying, the tools that I'm paying for, et cetera? And I'm just like, there are all of these other things that business owners need to think about where margin compression is the outcome if you don't react to it across the entire business. If you just try and react to it personally and not in the business, you're right, you'll just get – your margins will get squeezed and you'll just get pushed you, out. You could end up very bloated. You could end up with a bloated organisation unawarely across the last year and I think many well did. Played. Good call. So uh, definitely one of the big challenges. And then the second one, which wasn't too far off one of yours, you know, one of the many, <laughs> just again. Um, I was going to say, I, I just blanketed everything. <laughs> Balancing home life and business. Like I have a, a toddler and uh, this year Jack was two. I never get that back. Uh, he's only two ones um, and coming into this year he'll be three ones. And 
the thing I realized is that I want to do business. Right? So they're very much the tear of like, it's not like I'm going, oh, I hate what I'm doing in business and I have to do it and I have to sacrifice spending time with my son. It's like, no, no, I actually want to do business and I want to spend time with Jack and these are continually things. And just this example, there's other things like whether it's my health or whatever it is, I've just called it uh, balancing home life and business. But there's yep. too many things I actually want to do. Like I want to uh, train my body like I'm a uh, professional athlete. I want to read books and do courses all days and educate myself. I want to network with people. I want to spend great time with Bianca and uh, friends and family. I want to be a great dad and I want to do this business stuff. And I just looked at that and gone, that's a lot of stuff. It's actually um, not doable in the way I'm approaching it. So it's been a very yep. tough thing to discern and decide where to spend my time to best find my own version of balance. I actually think balance is bullshit, but just setting up my life in accordance with my values and what's appropriate. One thing that you do really well is like that self-assessment. And I don't know where you pulled it from, but I know that you and I, like we speak like all day, every day. Um, but one of the things that you do re- very regularly is recalibrate and realign for that balancing. And I think it's something that is so underweighted and not mentioned enough because to your point, like it's like things will change. Sometimes I'm going to need to put more into business. Sometimes I'll put more into Jack because he's gone through something. Sometimes I'll put more into my partner and just recalibrating. I think that you do that better than anyone. So I, I completely understand why that would be a challenge. And I think that it's a challenge for a lot of people. They just might not be aware of it. Yeah. So th- these actually came from Martini's work about voids. Mm. And it's like, I, you know, like uh, if you do a Where's Wally book the first time, it's hard to find Wally, but then once you've seen him, it's like, oh, there he is, there he is. You start to you start to notice it. Like you can only do the book once properly and then after that you, you kind of feel it. It's the same with voids. It's like for someone who's not used to feeling voids, they're not going to feel them or notice them. Mm. But for me, I um, through practice and the personal development work I've done this year, it's what I noticed was if I neglect my health, all right, so let's say I don't train in the gym and I eat poorly for a week. I'll feel a certain way. Yep. And that will be the trigger for like void forming, change something. But I've got them in all areas. So if I was to have a week which say is light on jack time, as this one here is the example, is like I'll feel that and then I'll put things in place to make those adjustments so it doesn't go too far off. I think for a lot of people though, they have to make this agreement where it's like financially I'm not in a good place my agreement is to work my face off 24-7 and just I'm just going to have all these voids over here and not deal with them. Or I don't have that excuse. I don't need to do that. So it's like, well, that's what makes that unique. But if people were being more in tune to it, like people can ignore their health for a long time if they're justified in making money. Or people, like you see that. Or people can justify being a bad father because they need to go and earn for the family. But when you have uh, means, you no longer have those justifications and you, have, you need to acknowledge those things that they can turn into terrible circumstances. Totally. Yeah, I love that so much. All right, so they're my two challenges, Grant. <laughs> so what was your biggest lesson, singular, singular lesson of the year, just in case we need to do maths <laughs> after this? I've got four bullet points. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> um, all right. That's amazing. All right, I, I, I never look at your answers just so it can be like in the conversation. It doesn't feel scripted. I spend the amount of time I spend on these 
prepping for these podcasts. Like, I just don't know which way it's going to go. I just, if you ever I won a Logie or ever won like an Academy Award or something, you're going to be the guy they pull off the stage with like yeah, yeah. trying to thank it's, everyone. It's, they'll, get the big, they'll get the big hook around my neck and just like rip me up. That's fine. I'm, I'm happy to be that guy and lean into it. All right. We did this episode, uh, which was very well received, around leverage versus compound, which was the concept around chasing this kind of forever game of leverage as opposed to think like, and instead of thinking about how do you utilize leverage to an extent and then compound on the top of the thing. And that was, it was one of the things that I was aware of, but to the depth of actually understanding its impact, I think I learned a lot more this year through the business model refinements that you and I have done of like, like the amount of scenario planning that you and I do we got a Google sheet with a hundred tabs of what happens if we change the delivery model, change the services that we're offering, change these things shows the ability to understand the power of leverage where, and then the weakness of leverage as well. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I had, which was I typically have played an infinite game of leverage, right? Where I'm just like, well, how do I just get more leverage? How do I get more leverage? Hence why I love software as a service, right? Because like it's the ultimate leverage if I build the thing once and I can continue selling it. Where uh, the biggest massive lesson for me was like, that's not the case. Like Charlie, you and I coach people uh, quite regularly and we're like, maybe that is the best use of our time versus continually trying to bring people in, continually trying to build code, continually trying to build content, do all of this stuff. It's just that was one of the biggest lessons was going, hey, there could be a better way to play the game. That is huge. Uh, I wonder if they went and got all the people who run SaaS companies, all of them, and all the doctors and lawyers that trade their time for money, which bunch would be wealthier? So if that's the measuring uh, stick. I know who's got better leverage. It was this very wise man once taught me this saying, and um, I shan't name his name, but – no comment. <laughs> How funny. It's a, but yes, I, no. Interesting lesson. And um, what, what about you? What about you? All right. Ready? My biggest lesson of the year, uh, I definitely would have to put down to this is that don't wait for the world to sort its shit out. I think that I like when that. I looked at, uh, like, let's just say the, uh, again, the thing, the word we're not meant to use to keep our YouTube rankings intact. When the pandemic happened, a lot of people went into this bunker down scenario. Yep. And then when the inflation thing kicked, noticed the same thing. Many people like, oh, we're gonna, the, the attitude was like, write it out. Like many people's approach. And I'm like, I think the biggest mistake a business owner can make when something happens is to just pull back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really think that's the wrong way to do it. And um, why I think that's there is that if you know, in this example, recession's coming, you don't wait for that. It's like you pivot, you move, you make actions and you do it early. Because if you think a, re- a recession is coming and that's your belief um, or inflation's going rampant, don't wait for inflation to hit your business hard before you do something. Like get in early because the earlier you act on that, the increased chances are that you will be able to do it. So if you're, and I I love this example, if you're an accountant and it's like for the last few years, all you've done is like, we're going to show you how to maximize your wealth. It's how to set up structures and whatnot to maximize your wealth. You know, a recession's coming, change the offer. 
Now do yep. it. We're going to show you how to cut costs. Like don't run the offer that isn't going to work in that different environment. So I think that has been my biggest insight, whether it's uh, business or even over in the investing world itself, is the people that are willing to act on these things and not sideline themselves are the ones who win. Do you think – I'm going to ask a question on top of this. Do you think it's that they are unaware the world is changing around them or do you think that it's because they do not know how to um, sort of counteract the changes of what is happening, which is like the the saying of like when you've got a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail? What do you, th- what do you think I, the, the reason for that is? We're by default, so in our wiring and subconscious, resistant to change. So if you've had a business that's done well for five years and you've done something and you've formed these habits, beliefs, all these things around it, the idea that, oh, I'm going to completely pivot that business because the environment has changed is risky, scary, and uncertain. So it's like to do that is – I'm not saying this is easy either, right? It's like, you know, simple, not easy. But I would look at it and go, it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, this thing's only going to last a year and then we can just get back to what we're normally doing. You know, it's really easy to justify it in that way of like not making a pivot. And I, I must say I've seen people wipe out because of this in recent times. Totally. Too late to act, didn't uh, make appropriate change and then had to make really hard decisions, really tough decisions. Yeah, it's like the people who resisted the internet and kept advertising in the yellow pages. Great example. Just going, this is the thing. <laughs> yeah as opposed to just adopting it and just saying, hey, like this changes here. How can I adapt? I think it. I think Facebook ads will come that, good, Grant. Don't worry about TikTok, <laughs> right? Do, do you see what I mean? Like, oh, Google search. Totally. We could just do Google search forever. We don't need to worry about these Facebook ads. It's this, resi- this uh, complacency and resistance to change instead of going to where the puck is going. And even in the good times, yep. this isn't it, just when we talk about like when a challenging environment occurs for a year, even in the good times, being progressive towards where the puck is going next, massive. Just being open to change, whether you like it or not, I think is. I think that's the point that people sort of resist against is like, I don't like the change. I don't want to deal with the change. The change is scary. The change doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how to play the change instead of leading into it going, let's see where this change lands. Huge. All right, now, again, quick one here. We're going to finish this one up after this question. So no eight answers. Um, what is the one thing... One, you would do differently if you could, if anything. You know what? I don't play by your rules. I'm going to split it down to two. <laughs> don't you give me your box. Uh, no, but they relate to each other. You'll, you'll appreciate this. I will actually say I'm glad we did put some like guardrails around this episode. It's actually made it like way easier to have a good conversation around this, but I don't care if we break for, rules. That's wrong. I was going to say for me to shit all over your guidelines. <laughs> It's just like, it's fine. They don't exist. They don't apply to each other. Yeah, just wait and uh, see. So- when the next system and procedure in business that I look at, I'm just going to treat this like he cheats my episode <laughs> narrative. Wait, hang on. This is why I'm acting like this because that's all you do. Just <laughs> all over my stuff. Uh, so two parts, um, but they're around the same thing. A uh, first one is I originally would have called this podcast Business and Investing with Grant Charlie. It's the first thing that I would do. I love that. <laughs> Do you know, we but really should have put uh, trademarks in the challenges now that I think of it, but we'll come back to that at another point. I did, but some guy went and slapped around saying I couldn't go and mention all my points. <laughs> so, like, it was everything else was just stronger than the what trademark. 
I know. I'll tell you his name after. Uh, but then the second one was um, actually doing the volume of content on business and investing earlier. We This was a challenge that you and I spoke about a lot, um, which was like, well, we want to create more content. And this is like going back 12 months ago, if you remember, like it was like one episode kind of here and there. The I think if we if I had my time differently, would have reprioritized um, sort of the things that we were doing at the time to make sure that we gave this podcast the time and effort that it deserved, as well as the appreciation that it deserved. Because like over the last three four months, just what it has produced and sort of the the I don't know the the attention that it's got, the the way that people have engaged with it, these things. I'm like, ah, oh, this is just a compounding game now. If we had played it 12 months ago or 24 months ago, it would have been like, it would just be in a different spot. So that, that's the one thing that I probably would have done differently, or the two things I should say. Um, yeah, it's really the opportunity cost on doing this bigger play earlier. I like it. Yeah. What about what about you? What's your one thing that you would do differently? Let go of things you don't enjoy earlier. There was a the project to that I game. dragged. Yeah, I dragged one project into this year I knew I should have let go of, but I like there were signs that and I'm was still here. Good. <laughs> I'm so, still uh, here. It's my one. <laughs> so, I I like that. Do I ask do I get to ask the project? No. You tell me later. <laughs> I'll tell you off there. Awesome. Right, let's wrap this one up. Let's do it. Uh, for everyone listening. Just want to say thank you very much for uh, listening to Charlie and I, who are caffeine-fueled individuals talking into microphones. Just want to tell you again, if you're not on the newsletter, head over to businessandinvesting.com, great domain, slash newsletter, and uh, put in your details, and we'll let you know every single time we come out with one of these episodes. And I just want to say thank you for joining us, and we look forward to catching you on the next episode ooh, ooh, of Business. Can I put one thing in? Easter egg. Can people, Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, like if I would love to get, if anyone's listened to this episode, and they had a win or a challenge, let me know either in the Facebook group or on the email. Like I love hearing from the community. So please let me know if you've gone along with this and you have a win or a challenge you want to share, send them my way. This is like, I was going to say, did you ever do the tests where it's like you have to read all the instructions first and then do the test and like really at the bottom, it's like all you need to do is put your name on the test and submit it and you win. Did you ever do them at high school? No. No. So we did them and it was like a test to see who actually got to the end of the instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now this is the test. If you do send Charlie an email and say those things, we know you listen to the end. So that's that's the challenge. Thanks for joining us. See you next episode.